Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 228. And before we get into the show, I got to tell you a little bit about Zipix toothpicks, the sweet pick that you chuck in your mouth. If you like cigarettes, if you like nicotine, Zipix is a fantastic alternative for you. It is going to help you kind of get rid of that craving, get that hand-to-mouth feel that you love, and also give you that little buzz that, like a cigarette would, like a vape would, but without the stank, without your fingers getting disgusting, without people giving you the side eye like they like to do. And I personally have used these things now for months now. They've been a longtime sponsor of the show, and you can still use that promo code ROAR, R-O-A-R, to get 10% off your first order. And by the way, if you already used the promo code LION before, they updated it with Roar so you can go and order again. And again, they have, you know, you can order them. They'll ship them to you on regular intervals. Not only that, though, they also have the B12 Energy Caffeine Toothpicks that I love. So if you're not a smoker, but you just have some hangovers, as you know, your boy over here does. If you're just looking for a little pep, if you're looking for a little, uh, even as a meal replacement, uh, the owner said they, they use these things for Check out these B12 caffeine toothpicks. They're a great pick-me-up and a great way to uh, to get through your day. Again, Zipix, Z-I-P-P-I-X, toothpicks.com. Use that promo code ROAR. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Welcomen, meine Deiner und Herren. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. It is Electric Liberty Land. I don't know why I started off doing a German accent there when I was going to tell you that I met one of the great Scottish accents over the weekend on Saturday. I went to a, a nice meetup event that Angela McArdle had put together in the Mises Caucus where we met up in, a, I don't know, an odd little joint. I guess the Mises Caucus had gone out and obviously done, they've been doing a lot of great protesting work against the lockdowns and also doing some documentary work. And one of the organizations or one of the restaurants, I should say, that they went and uh, and helped out and did, included in their documentary was called Mazel. And kind of funny, I'm, t- I'm starting to show talking about this uh, Israeli-owned beer vegetarian restaurant, right? Considering what I'm going to get into uh, in just a minute. But but these, you know, this restaurant had just opened up in a not great part of town. I will say, I asked her, I was like, how the fuck did you find this place? Did you Google places that have no parking and lots of homeless and this place popped up? But um, yeah, we went and met up there, had some vegan food. I guess they, the place, you know, literally had opened up right before the COVID shutdowns. So they were just like, fuck. So the Mises Caucus had obviously profiled them and what they were doing to try to push back and how this had really impacted their business as a brand new restaurant opening up, but got to meet the great Scottish voice, the great Scottish mind of Anthony Samaroff. And he was so kind as to stop at the Ross, pick me up two guns, ghost guns. I'll say (laughs) he got me some Nerf guns. And of course, a signed copy of his new book, universal basic income for and against of which I'm going to read it. I don't have Anthony on the show, but not to talk about UBI, oddly enough. We're going to talk about, instead, uh, a portion of the book that focuses on libertarian solutions, which you know is something I've been harping about in my messaging episode. I talked about how we need to convey that we don't just have a philosophy here. We don't just have things to bitch about. We actually have solutions, uh, and we can show that we have been right over the last 50 years in how our philosophy has played out and also that we have actual ways in which we can implement solutions right now that are going to help the human condition. So anyway, I'm going to have him on to talk about that. It was awesome meeting him. My, uh, I will say, my impersonation did add up pretty well. I, I'm, actually, I'm losing it. Ah, I fucking lost it. I did it great when Angela's on the show. <laughs> but it was awesome meeting Anthony. And by the way, you know, if you want to check his book out, if you want to buy a copy, it's actually how he's paying for his trip across the uh, the United States right now. And uh, yeah, you should check it out as well. Again, that's Universal Basic Income, for and against by Anthony Samaroff. But hopping into it, I would say, you know, it was funny that I'm talking about this Mazel restaurant, again, Israeli vegetarian restaurant, because... As we are now seeing after the incident that happened just a couple days ago at the Al-Aqsa, Aqsa, I don't know, Aqsa Mosque, you know, I'm not going to know how to spell A-L, say A-L-A-Q-S-A, Mosque Compound, which is one of the holiest sites for Islam. But 
you know, you had hundreds of people praying, and I saw a video of this, praying peacefully, right? They're in this area of Jerusalem. There are Palestinians in the city, right? I presume they have a legal right to be in that city. The residents, they didn't sneak over the border, you know, somehow hundreds of them didn't get through Israelis uh, or Israel's very armed, very secure, very sniper riddled border unseen. So these people went into to basically pray at this holy site and is, in comes the Israeli military. They're coming in with flashbangs, they're coming in with stuns, they're coming in with rubber bullets, they're coming in with gas, and just descend on these people who are, you know, literally on the ground, on their knees, worshiping peacefully, quietly, and in comes the Israeli military. Um, There was obviously a conflict there. You know, some of the Palestinians had thrown some rocks, they'd thrown some chairs back at them. Uh, I don't believe... Anybody died from this instance, but I know there were dozens of people that were injured, that were hospitalized. They said, oh, 205 people injured, 88 hospitalized for their injuries. And, you know, it's something like this where I do wonder if it's finally the hashtag times up for Israel. Now, I've been talking for years about Israel and how I view this as a very one-sided relationship, not only militaristically, not only in the death toll, not only in the way in which America applies its influence, but also in the way that the things have really set, you know, separated themselves into an apartheid state as of recently with some of the law changes in Israel, wherein you literally have a second-hand or second-class citizen being put into place with the Palestinians, how they're viewed, how their rights are played out. And not only that, but of course, we see over the past couple of decades how Israel has continued to illegally annex strips in Gaza or strips of the Gaza Strip. They've illegally continued to build out different settlements where they are not supposed to. They continuously make deals with Hamas, with Palestinians to not go farther into their territory, and they continuously break them. And of course, like I'm saying, you know, we we also have saw, seen that they'd recently annexed a large portion of the Gaza Strip. Just took it. The United States said, yeah, go ahead. This was part of Trump's grand peace plan, right? Just to give away land that is does not belong to Israel, you know, has never belonged to Israel. And yet, they're happy to displace, you know, some 40,000 Palestinians to kick them out of their homes, to tear, bulldoze down their houses and leave them with, with what? Where are they going to go? I mean, to whatever war-torn area is in that region. Uh, we know for a fact that it is basically blockaded in. We know that traversing in and out of that region is almost impossible. We know that Israel has blockaded even humanitarian support from getting into Gaza at times. This is an atrocity. I mean, there's not much difference in my mind. Well, there is a difference in just the sheer number of deaths. But in what we see the United States do in support for Saudi Arabia, right, helping them out logistically and what we see with the United States doing with Israel, we sell them their arms. We give them arms. And I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but the United States literally gives Israel armament. That we say, oh, it's too old. You know, these these bombs are going to go bad. Here, Israel, here you go. Have some bombs. Have some fighter planes. Have some bombers. Have some tanks. We will give Israel armaments, right, as our closest ally in the Middle East, despite the fact that Israel also is the the, uh, only country that is listed as our closest ally that also seems to sit upon the number one cyber and espionage threats list. This is not made up. This is an absolute fact. Israel hacks us more than anybody. They spy on us more than anybody. And of course, we also give them billions and billions of dollars every year, which they then use to buy more weapons from the United States. So we are complicit as a people in what is happening to the Palestinians, just like we are complicit for what's happening in Yemen by aiding the Saudi Arabians and their genocide against the Yemeni people, we are complicit in what is happening to the Palestinians. So this latest iteration should be of no surprise to people. We know how Israel Israel views Palestinians. We know how the, the domestic Jews in the military and the government view the Palestinian population, and it is not fondly. Now, what's interesting about this, though, is because we do have an era of cell phones now. We have an era of cameras on everybody now. So some of what is happening is leaking out to the public and is being documented. So we're seeing after this instance, right, at this mosque, where they just, again, peaceful people praying 
for you know they are celebrating their religion in a peaceful manner and you see the military come in and just start beating them and gassing them and shooting them with rubber bullets you are seeing people on the left finally wake up right and, I, and i'm sure there's people that are across the spectrum that are waking up but now you're seeing some of these bleeding hearts wake up and turn their eyes towards what's happening and the situation going on here and we're also you know seeing at this point in time that there is quite a large portion of the Jewish population here in the United States, probably in the UK and some other places, maybe Canada, that are 100% against what is happening to the Palestinians. That as Jewish people, they see the similarities. And look, if you're going to go after people, if you're going to treat people as secondhand citizens, if you are not going to let them celebrate their religion, if you're going to murder them, well, I can remember a time when that happened to us. You know, it's like they always say, let us never forget what happened, right? Never forget the Holocaust. It seems like Israel's kind of forgetting what happened in the Holocaust as they go among these these Palestinian people violently uh, disallowing them to celebrate their religion. And also, I mean, I just can't help but thinking, if you're an everyday citizen, right, and you could say, okay, let's, let's put the Jews in this position. Let's say there are 200 Jews at a synagogue, right, praying, and an armed force of Muslims or whatever else came in, gassed them rubber bolted them. And, was, and let's say that, let's say it wasn't even a, a synagogue, right? Cause that's, that's, I guess, an appropriate setting. And despite the fact that this has been a, you know, I don't know how tens of thousands of year old sacred site in Islam, it is now in Jerusalem, which of course the United States had tacitly said is now the, uh, the capital or, you know, so could you imagine though, the outrage, the uproar, if that was 200 Jews in there that had been assaulted, that had been gassed, that had been rubber bolted, that had been everything else, it would be front page, holy moly, we've got to do something. You know, the, the bombs would be flying. If this happened in any, any other, if this happened in a Middle Eastern country, the missiles would already be in the air to bomb the shit out of whoever dared to do this against these poor Jews. But yet, when it happens to the Palestinians, we're told that this is just, you know, well, they shouldn't have been there. It's par for the course. Well, you know, and then the response, right? The focus on the response from Hamas. Now, to remind everybody, Hamas was democratically elected because the United States forced a democratic election in the Gaza Strip. Uh, Hamas won that election. <laughs> and then we said, no, 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 you're terrorists. You can't, you can't rule. Even though you were democratic elected, you are now terrorist again. And they are viewed as terrorists because you know, they're not really allowed to have a government. And any retaliation against Israel, which has a monopoly on military might in the region, gifted to them by the United States and tacitly approved by the United States, has been you know pounding that region, always has an unbelievably disproportionate rate of deaths, right? Anytime one of these conflicts happens, as we're seeing here, right? So they go in, they raid this mosque. Hamas responds by firing, you know, quote, hundreds. Now, this is, again, reports from coming in from Israel's news service from their government. So I highly doubt that many rockets get fired in. Typically, I think it's more in the dozens at most, and they tend to never really do much damage. This time, they killed three people. Uh, I think they've killed, or maybe it was two people. They killed a couple of women. And they, it caused some damage, right? And this is the typical pattern. Then Israel responds with absolute force. And what they did was they flew in in response to uh, in response to Hamas, tar- you know, raising shit about the protests and firing these couple of rockets. Israel goes in and they level a building. They literally leveled a 13-story building, which they said was evacuated at the time, knowing Israel was coming in. But they leveled a 13-story building. They killed some 30 people, including 10 children. That, I'm sure, that death toll will go up. And then Hamas responds, right? And this was, because I guess this this was in response to a couple of rockets that came across. Now re- Hamas responds with, again, quote, hundreds of rockets. I doubt it was. Then they get a couple people dead. And Netanyahu says, well, now we have to escalate it. We will respond with even more force. So now the pattern is repeating itself again. But as we see the death toll, the humanity that is lost on the Palestinian side, the children that are killed indiscriminately by Israel, who says that they are trying to avoid civilian casualties. They'll say that people were, you. oh, they're using them as human shields. You, you fucking bombed a 13-story apartment building. I, I don't see how you get around some people getting killed there. It didn't seem like you're going out of your way to do a real surgical strike 
in my opinion. So we're finally seeing the world's eyes turn to this. We're finally seeing some people wake up to what is going on in Israel. Now, I don't want to condemn the Israeli people as a whole, just like I wouldn't condemn the American people as a whole for what's happening in Yemen. But, you know, as, from a state level, from a leadership level, Netanyahu keeps getting elected. And it's for sure, just like we see here in the way we've been conditioned to view the war on terror, right? Quote, unquote, the war on terror. And as we are seeing, and as I mentioned, I believe on the main show, I don't think it was on one of my daily morning rants, but as we also see, we have been conditioned and are being conditioned currently to twist from the war on terror, right? They're pulling out of Afghanistan and now we are being conditioned. And if you listen to uh, Mark's show with Shane Hazel Monday, he was talking about psyops, you know, we are being psyoped by our own government, by the CIA, who are, of course, infiltrated all of our mainstream media sources. We are now being fed the line that China and Russia and North Korea and Iran, those are the real enemies. Those are the new, new sources of terror. Those are who we have to fear. In addition, of course, to domestic extremists. And I'm going to talk about those domestic extremists uh, in a minute. So now we're being reconditioned to fear domestic extremists and white nationalists, right? And China, Russia, yada, yada. Now, Without a doubt, within Israel, the same thing is happening. They have been so conditioned as to the way in which they view Palestinians, the way in which they view people in the Gaza Strip, to say these people are all terrorists. They unanimously want to destroy us. They want to tear down Israel. They hate Jews. They hate everybody. Despite the fact that a lot of these people simply want to be left the fuck alone. They want to live their lives. They don't want to be evicted because Israel wants to build a new settlement somewhere they're not supposed to. They don't want to be marched across the, the, the landscape by the tens of thousands because Israel was gifted a new annexation by fiat and the United States is completely complicit in this. The world is starting to wake up. And I think that, honestly, this is a trend that happened in the UN. The U.S. has been defending Israel in the UN because the UN has brought up multiple times, um, not only war crimes, but also, you know, rumors of genocidal accusations against Israel. And the United States has stepped in the way. But with social media, with the spread of cell phone videos, with this on-the-ground reporting, which Israel's media can't control. They can control what officially comes out as far as the reporting on military actions, as far as their official reporting on the death tolls, as far as their official reporting on what rockets came in, right, to keep their population afraid and to calm the world over. But these videos are going to turn the tide. So I think it is legitimately hashtag times up for Israel. And I pray that it is for the Palestinian people. And I have to think, too, you know, I, I was talking with uh, Andrew McArdle about ways in which we can expand the libertarian footprint, you know, looking to coalition build in a way with the Hoteps, for instance. So I'm going to go on uh, on Friday, I'm going to go and uh, and see Hotep Jesus talk, uh, Brian Sharp and uh, Thaddeus Russell. And I'm going to, you know, Angela said, I'm going to get some time to sit down with, uh, with Brian Sharp, aka Hotep Jesus. So I'll let you know when that's going to drop, but it should be pretty quick. But I also wonder, you know, Libertarians at our core, you know, we, one of the things we have to prioritize is anti-war, you know, getting back to ending of empire building, of ending the support for genocide and ending these wars that we are assisting across the globe. And it certainly seems that we could build a, another coalition and attract people that are Palestinian Americans, that are Jewish Americans that are looking at this and, and thinking how atrocious this is. So again, that's another area in which we need to explore. We need to be more forthright in our absolute, without any quarter opposition to American action abroad, to supporting allies that have this type of action and this type of outlook on the way in which they treat other human beings. Uh, speaking of other human beings, my buddy Jason Stapleton is hosting a one-time event, guys, which I want to tell you about. And it's it's kind of interesting, right? Because, you know, if you know Jason Stapleton at all, you know that he is uh, not shy about self-promotion. Whether you like him or hate him, I tend to love him. But I know you guys have mixed opinions out there. However, one thing you cannot deny is that he knows how to self-promote. Now, you might find it hard to promote yourself. I know, well, I don't know if I find it too hard to promote myself. But, you know, you still, you might be a little shy about it. It's, un it's uncomfortable to talk yourself up. Sometimes you feel like you're bragging, even if you're not. 
If you've ever had an interview for like a job, for instance, or been a guest in a podcast or on social media, you know what I'm talking about. Knowing how to promote yourself and having the confidence to do it is not something that comes naturally to most people. But if you want to grow your business, uh, land a new job, get a promotion, it's a skill that you need to learn. So good news Stapleton is putting together a virtual seminar called Mastering the Art of Shameless Self-Promotion on May 18th. And you can uh, go to www.stapletonagency.com forward slash liberty to check that out. So, of course, Jason, he's been you know kind of refocused his show. Still a lot of libertarian content, but obviously he's refocused on helping entrepreneurs, podcasters, business professionals stand out and kind of make their way in this hyper-connected, overhyped world, right? So what he's going to do here, he's going to teach you tactical skills of self-promotion, how to talk about yourself and your business without sounding arrogant or self-centered, and at the same time, building self-confidence. So check that out. Again, use this specific link, please, and I'll put it in the show notes, show notes uh, which will be at lionsalerty.com slash ELL228. But you can go directly to www.stapletonagency.com forward slash liberty. Check that out. Should be an awesome time. All right, so coming back into the show, I'd mention white supremacy, white extremism, domestic extremism, right? And I talked about on the show before how, you know, they, there's bills that are being put forward by these Democrats, these Democrat lawmakers, and which the Biden administration, I believe, is also looking at executive orders about. But they would allow for domestic spying, for watch lists, for uh, no-fly lists, for quote-unquote domestic extremists. And specifically, white nationalists or white supremacists. Now, this to me is clearly making thought crime into a federal, you know, federally mandated criminalization of basically thinking the wrong way, right? Essentially, that's what they're doing. Because even if you're not taking action, if you are considered to be a white supremacist by the government, now you can have all sorts of rights taken away. You can be targeted for, uh, again, for possible arrest for taking away your gun rights, for censoring your speech, for censoring your ability to travel, et cetera, et cetera, for what is quite literally thought crime, for thinking a certain way, believing a certain ideology. And you can see how that would play out in a broader spectrum in any sort of thought crime environment, be it for blacks, whites, whatever it might be. You know, the Black Panthers or Black Lives Matter, for example, is simply, you know, we talk about some of the, the newer iterations of their messaging coming out where, you know, it's black people uh, are better because they have melanin in their skin. I mean, this is one of the one of the founders of the organization had written this whole thing, how black people are more evolved because of the melanin in their skin and on and on. Well, that if you flip it on its head on the white side would be considered thought crime. And so you can see how this would quickly grow and become something that the government could use as a tool to target virtually anyone that didn't subscribe to the state-sponsored version of the truth or of rational thinking, much as the Soviets did, you know, where they had their uh, specific version of thought crime. If you dared to question the state and its function in society, you were conditioned or you were uh, basically diagnosed with some sort of psychological condition for which you could be institutionalized. And later on, I'll get into what Germany is doing with their thought crimes uh, after I talk about this, this latest Biden plan to outsource to private firms so they can vi uh, violate your Fourth Amendment rights. Sorry, I'm just pulling up this article, so I'm stuttering a little bit. So yeah, this is uh, CNN had reported on this, that the Department of Homeland Security is discussing a plan. And this is according to multiple sources, which would essentially outsource the department's uh, spying apparatus to circumvent Fourth Amendment rights where they're limited, right? Because the FBI, the CIA, the Department of Homeland Security, they are technically limited. And especially now that there's been more focus put upon it since the Snowden revelations, they are limited in what they can do as far as surveilling the population. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't blatant abuses within the FISA courts ongoing. And there was just a new report coming out that that is still happening. But on a surface level, right, they're supposed to not be spying on you as much, especially not tracking all of your online activity where it comes to chat room discussions, where it comes to you know personal discussions online. So now they're looking to outside citizens and outside organizations that are data collection to do it where they cannot. So, quote, a source familiar with the effort said it's not about decrypting data but rather using outside entities who can legally access these private groups to gather large amounts of information that could help DHS identify key narratives as they emerge. So isn't that lovely? 
The government outsourcing to private companies data collection on private citizens and using your tax dollars to pay those private companies to spy upon you with your own tax dollars. It's fucking hilarious. Not only that, but I, where is the media? Where's the media reporting on this, right? You would, would you think that the same media that jumped over the Snowden story that were so eager to, to expose the domestic spying would be eager to expose this thing? You didn't think they'd have some sort of outrage about literally farming out spying on the American population? But no, other than the CNN article and a couple other little, little tidbits here and there from, you know, the regular sources, Matt Tiabi, Glenn Greenwald has been good on this. Otherwise, the corporate media, dead silent. Why? Oh, yeah, that's right. Because they're bought and paid for now. They are basically a part of the government. You have John Brennan out there. You've got fucking, uh, who's the other asshole that's on all the time in addition to Brennan? Uh, can't remember his name. But you have, you, know, you have these CIA spooks out there that are now paid contributors to MSNBC, to CNN, to NBC, to ABC, to all these fucking media sources that are basically from the inside now feeding them information and saying, well, we have to do this. Right? This is built on exposing white supremacy, exposing white extremism, exposing domestic terrorists. Never mind that this is not a threat. This is not a fucking threat. It's as much of a threat as any of the other terrorism was to, to a, a domestic population here at home, which is virtually nil. But they will tell you it's for your own good. And just like they use 9-11 to take away our liberties, to take away our freedoms, to put this spying apparatus in place, they will do the same here. And they're already talking about putting these people on lists. We know how no-fly lists work out. We know how no-travel lists work out. But now, who's to say what this data can be used for? If private firms are collecting it at behest of the U.S. government. Who's to say what a giant tech company, which, you know, they're all left-leaning, is to do with this information? Will they release it publicly? Will they compile their own list? Will they use it to destroy people's jobs and livelihoods? I mean, this is a terrifying fucking prospect. But instead of the average American citizen going, oh, my God, instead, you've got an army of Karens eager to go out and sleuth around to try to expose potential white supremacists. We now have media outlets complicit in tracking down and reporting to the government or to you know, other social media platforms thought crime violators. I mean, just recently, I saw reporting that BBC was crowing about how they had personally flagged on Twitter accounts that were rebroadcasting statements from Donald Trump, right? Because Donald Trump's not allowed on Twitter and he's not allowed on Facebook. They banned him. So the BBC has taken it upon themselves to be the fucking Karen of the world, the Karen of Donald Trump statements to report Twitter feeds that are repeating Donald Trump's statements. Now, do we know if these are feeds run by Donald Trump? I would say not. I would say it's virtually impossible to prove. Is it now illegal on social media to even repeat something that someone else says that's not allowed on the platform? I mean, what the fuck? These big media companies are trying to crack down on little media reporting, right? They're cracking down on social media. We already know that they're trying to eliminate independent journalism. They're trying to get Substack taken down. They want to control the means of information dissemination. This is not a coincidence that they are now in bed with big government because they have the same goal, which is to control the information flow, to control the population the way it thinks, and to funnel money towards themselves in order to keep their growth. Because big media and big government are both threatened by independent journalism, by what we saw in Israel by cell phone reporting, by third-party reporting on YouTube, by non-government influence, non-government paid for, and non-cathedral, you know, barricaded media resources and ways of thinking. So this is just, I mean, God damn it, man. I don't see a way that they're going to get around it uh, because no one's reporting on it. So the Biden administration probably will just go full scale ahead with this. The half the American people will buy it. You know, 96% of Democrats approve of what Joe Biden's done so far. You're telling me these brainwashed morons who think critical race theory is a good idea aren't going to say that, well, yes, domestic white supremacist extremists, those are the greatest threat to America. We have to do this. And you know what? If you're not a white supremacist extremist, you have nothing to fear from these data collections. You shouldn't worry about it. If you aren't, if you aren't, 
taking part in thought crimes that could bring this great nation down, you shouldn't have to worry. Don't be afraid of the army of Karens. We're your friend. Fuck that shit, man. It's absolutely insane. I mean, just from a practical standpoint, if you went up to any person on the street and you said, hey, do you mind if I have a private firm, track your data, track your online communications, even the ones you think are private, uh, just to make sure that you're not a white supremacist, do you think that they would be okay with it? Because I'm pretty sure 10 out of 10 people would go tell you to fuck yourself. But when the government does it, somehow they have altruistic motives, right? The government only has the best in mind, despite the fact that we know how often they fuck people over, that we know that the government put crack into communities, that we know the government tests things on people all the time, that we know that the government has underhanded ways and means in which to accomplish all sorts of fantastical goals, right? Wokeism being one of them to divide us, pit us against ourselves rather than against the, the government where it should be focused. But no. Well, if the government's doing it, sure, it must be for the best. Clearly, I have to believe everything the government tells me. Just unbelievable. But at least we haven't seen a full ban on, uh, I don't know, just a basic collecting of citizens together. I mean, we did have a basic ban on people protesting during COVID, although you could, I guess you could still legally get away with it. But in Germany, as a noted guest of this program, C.J. Hopkins, who you can find, he was back on Electric Liberty Land episode number 180, which was ELL 180, the new propaganda, propagandized normal with author C.J. Hopkins. Um, C.J. Hopkins lives in Germany. He is a uh, outspoken critic of lockdowns. He is an outspoken anti-authoritarian, even though he is very left-leaning. I mean, the guy, without a doubt, he is more... Uh, anti-capitalist, I'd say, than capitalist. So, you know, his leanings are definitely to the left, but he is, without a doubt, a free speech advocate. Uh, he is for personal freedom. Um, and he has been documenting what's going on with the lockdowns, the COVID cultists, and the, again, the psyops that have been going on to brainwash the population into believing this shit and to go along with it. And he had been reporting that domestically, the German authorities, the German police heads were calling for a ban on the ability to come together and protest and specifically protest COVID. Not only that, but they were also talking about taking the, I don't know, domestic extremism that people that oppose COVID with and making that into a crime. They were talking about uh, basically just like we're, we're discussing here with the spying apparatus, turning the German spy state, the German intelligence community onto monitoring people's thoughts within the sphere of social media talking, within the, uh, the context of where they've been posting, where they've been meeting up, going to these group events, going to protests, etc., and literally making it into a crime to partake in political speech that was anti-COVID lockdowns or that questioned whether or not COVID was as bad as they said. So we're literally seeing thought crimes being put into place here in Germany. We're seeing authorities discuss whether or not you should be able to protest being locked inside your own home, having your freedoms taken away, having your access to other nations be taken away, having your business shut down, being denied access to your loved ones, etc. Not only are they going to take those freedoms away from you, but now they're going to criminalize it if you dare to question if that was a good idea or not. Don't be surprised if you see something similar happening here. But as of now, this is only discussions in Germany. But here's a nice little quote to wrap this story up, as reported by Reuters. Quote, authorities feared that far-right extremists and conspiracy theorists who either deny the existence of COVID or downplay its threat to public health are exploiting lockdown frustrations to stir anger against politicians and state institutions five months before a general election. Right? And this is why they're saying Germany's domestic BFV spy agencies monitoring anti-lockdown protesters. There's your answer, fishbowl, right? Isn't there always an election coming around the corner here in America? Isn't there always a reason to monitor people who might be, quote unquote, stirring anger against policy or politicians and state institutions? Of course there are. There's always elections. There's always reasons for the state to say, well, we had to do this for the safety of the population. But of course, when it's turned on them, right, against politicians and state institutions, when it's turned on them, just like we saw at the Capitol riots, which undoubtedly were partially because of Trump's rhetoric, but partially because people were sick of being locked in their fucking houses because of COVID, just like the BLM riots were much larger than they would have been if people weren't locked inside for months and months and months. 
But we see the government reaction to any threat against the politicos, any threat against the state apparatus, and it is violent and it is speedy. So here is Germany's response. We'll see what America's response is going to be. All right, let's get into a little COVID talk. There's been a lot of COVID stuff. Let's start off with just uh, an entertaining clip from CNN's Michael Smirkonish, who starts off with a straight farm of fucking talking point, like literally line for line written for him by Fauci or by, you know, well, of course, Fauci's got a lot of money invested in the vaccines, but by big pharma. So let's listen to that clip. And then he's got a word of advice for people at the end that, pretty much ties into everything we expected to hear from a fucking completely brainwashed progressive who has no sympathy for anybody that thinks anything different and no interest in hearing any other thoughts about it. A new CNN poll maybe tells us why. 26% of Americans say they will not get the vaccine. And among Republicans, that number is 44%. That's scary. Those folks jeopardize our ability to get to herd immunity faster. If we don't get vaccinated and periodically boosted, we could prolong the pandemic and find ourselves continuing to fight this battle for years when we have the medical innovation to get back to living our normal lives in a matter of months. I mean, Jesus, can you make it more blatant that that was delivered to you by your pharmaceutical sponsor? Overlords. I mean, good God. I mean, we know already know that CNN, everything like Brian Stetz, Stetler has been saying, Stetzer. I always think Brian Stetzer Orcas. Brian Stetler. <laughs> that's his fucking name. Anyway, that little piece of shit that's supposed to be monitoring the media. Uh, we already know that they are towing the line. Like they went, they went and showed their fucking hosts getting jabbed in the arm. They're towing the pharma line here. That is who's paying them. That is the mandatory uh, message that they have been told to promote. Right. So, but hearing this guy literally verbatim read from a PSA. That's what that fucking was. That was a PSA for the pharmaceutical industry. Well, you know, these people have to know that you hurt our ability to get back to herd immunity. And that's where you have to get back to regular fuck off, dude. Like just say, just fuck off with this shit. We're already at herd immunity, by the way. I'm telling you, we are already at it. You know, 50 plus percent, like 57 or 58 percent of Americans already have it. Among the people that haven't gotten it yet are people that have already had COVID and either knew it or didn't know it. And then the rest of them are very young who aren't going to get it anyway. We're fucking there, man. We're already there. But now listen to this shit, though. He goes on later in the episode to tell you exactly how you have to act towards people that didn't get it. Because clearly, you know, just letting people trust their own opinions or take their own risks of their lives, that isn't enough. You have to ruin their fucking lives. At this point, those who remain unvaccinated are most at risk. But according to the CNN poll, when asked about returning to our routines, the group most comfortable with doing so are those who have not and will not get the vaccine. 87% of them. Well, no fucking shit. Is this a surprise to anybody? Yeah. The people that are comfortable not getting the vaccine are people that realize that this has all been a scam to begin with. Not to say that COVID isn't real, but the fact that we know the survival rate that the media doesn't report. We know how many people survive this to get over it that are asymptomatic, that simply are naturally immune to it. We know who dies from it. People that are very old, very fat, or have certain predispositions towards certain conditions. Okay, everybody else, we're pretty much okay with taking the risk, man. Let us take the risk. If you want to get vaccinated, fucking do it. Leave the rest of us alone. But of course, that's not good enough. Because he went to say on his radio show, that was from his TV appearance. Now he went to say on his radio show, we have to take it a step farther. Here's an option. There was a USA Today essay that was published by a former prosecutor named Michael Stern. And I discussed this briefly on radio yesterday. He says, we've got to shun folks. We've got to shun people into getting vaccinated. Shunning suggestion is this. Uh, businesses should make vaccination a requirement for employment. A COVID outbreak can shut down a business and be financially devastating. And failure to enforce basic health and safety measures is not fair to employees who have to work in offices, factories, and stores where close contact is required. Things should get personal, too. People should require friends to be vaccinated, to attend the barbecues and birthday parties they host. Friends don't let friends spread COVID. Friends don't let friends spread COVID. Yesterday's survey question at Smirconish.com asked whether it's time to shun. 7,241 people responded. What do you think the percentage was who said yes? 
Well, this is a compassionate world and a compassionate show, right? By a compassionate progressive host, it must be 0%. Who would want to shun somebody over a private medical decision, especially if they've been vaccinated already or in no danger? But you know what? It came out to be 76%. Listen to this fucking shit, man. I mean, this is a man saying that you should violate basic health privacy as an employer, right? And you're already, there's already people that are getting sued. There are lawsuits in action right now, for people suing their employers that, because they got fired for not getting the vaccine or vaccine and refusing to get the vaccine, right? As an employer, I don't see how you can require somebody to do something with the health and, and honestly, to relay their own private health information, right? And I guess, well, I guess people take drug tests and you can have to give that result. So eh, maybe I'm wrong there, but still you're advocating for widespread sharing of health information. And what's the difference? Let me ask you this. What's the difference between asking somebody if they have AIDS, right? If you ask somebody as an employer, if they had AIDS and you're a, you're McDonald's, right? You don't want people with AIDS making your burgers. What if they get a cut on their finger and some AIDS gets in some, some burger? Oh, terrible, right? So we should ask everybody if they have AIDS or herpes or gonorrhea or hepatitis or any number of horrible diseases that could easily transmit to somebody, right? Because you're all in close quarters. You're all sharing the same space. God forbid you don't want to use that toilet. Remember that fucking myth that everybody was pushing that you could get AIDS from a toilet? But no, Spraconish says that you should definitely have employers basically eliminate the portion of the population that doesn't want to get vaccinated with an experimental vaccine that still is, you know, what, four months in, not even. No, you should mandate that for any person to have to work. And that not only that, but you should take it a step farther. You should ostracize people. You should destroy your relationships. You should destroy your friendships. You should eliminate people from your family gatherings if they dare do not go along with this unbelievable, big pharma, big media, big government pushed nonsense saying that everyone has to get vaccinated against something that has a 99.8 survival rate among the general population. It takes a special kind of person, man. It takes a special fucking kind of person. But you're seeing now this turn from people, right? From being, and again, I guess we saw this during the mask shit where, where Karens would lose their minds and scream at people on the street for not wearing a mask outside. I bet they feel like assholes or do they? I don't. Maybe they don't. They probably feel justified, even though we know for a fact there's no transmission outdoors. The CDC has said you can go outdoors without a mask and there's basically no problem. They said for vaccinated people, but they know that there's no data that shows that anybody can get COVID outside. I wonder if these people have any remorse for yelling at those people. Eh, probably not. But instead of just chastising, right? Instead of giving oh, dirty looks or shaking your head and saying, well, I got vaccinated, right? And on his other TV show, he had said, you know, maybe we need to show people just, you know, us vaccinated people are getting back to life. We're doing the good work out there because we're vaccinated, right? We're keeping the world going. Now it's taken a darker turn, hasn't it? It goes from, let's show them how great we are that we're vaccinated. Let's show them that we're on the moral high ground, that we're going to be the ones to get everything back on track, right? Which, hey, if you want to do that, fine. You're not hurting anybody. You're helping people if you're doing that. Now it turns to, let's shun them. Let's try to ruin their lives. Let's try to make them fucking miserable until they see our way of thinking. So basically, Michael, you're advocating torture. You're advocating psychological torture in order to push through your way of thinking, despite the fact that you're safe, right? You got vaccinated. You're totally fine. There's no danger to you. Anybody can get vaccinated at this point that wants to get vaccinated. So there's no danger to them. But now, let's do some psychological torture to these people. Let's cost them their jobs. Let's force them to live in, in a hovel. Let's force them onto the streets, Let's make sure their children don't have enough to eat, that they don't have enough clothing because we're denying them employment. And by the way, as Angela said on the show, some people can't get the fucking vaccine, asshole. Some people aren't allowed to get the vaccine medically. But let's make sure to shun those people too because you know what? Well, there's no fucking difference. They'll lump them all into one big group. That's what the Democrats love to do, right? Lump them all into one big group. Black people all think this way. That's why we don't have to worry about for them. They're like Joe Biden. You didn't have a problem lumping all black people into one, one category, lumping all Mexicans in another category, lumping all the whiteies into one category, you know, ruining the world. Now let's lump all the, uh, the non-vaxxers, right? We'll call them anti-vaxxers, not people that simply want to wait and see how this thing plays out and know the actual risk that they're taking. 
No, let's shun them. Let's ruin their lives. Let's shun them. Make sure they cut them out of our social circles. I mean, this is this is a, a psychosis. This is a deep pathological issue that we're dealing with. And I hate to harp on it because I've said it a million times, guys, but the reason this is playing out how it is is because people know deep down they will be bad people if they're wrong. This is doubling, tripling, quadrupling down. We're now to quadrupling down on this shit. It's fucking unbelievable. Gentlemen and ladies, have you ever sat down and thought to yourself, God, I suck at life. I'm not good enough. I'm not big enough. I'm not long enough. My cups are too small. Well, I've got a solution for you, and that is C.W. Booth Weich's new books. Well, one of them's new. Narco slash Lepsy and Buffalo on Main Street. This is a libertarian author who has been supporting this show. You probably have heard me talk about him before, but you have to check his books out. Anywhere, Kindle, in the bookstore, in paperback. I don't know. Probably if you go to a bus stop, somebody, some illuminated person has left them there like they leave behind literature from the gods. Like we spread around the Rothbardian teachings. This is C.W. Booth White, guys. But check him out. Narco slash Lepsy is a story that really ties into our libertarian roots. It's about people who want to take down and blow up a federal building. What could really touch your heart more than that, especially at this date, at this point in time of our lives? But guys, it's not just that. It's that these things he promises you. This man who I trust implicitly promises you that they will 100% increase your libido. You don't need any more of the Viagras. You don't need those, those blue pills that they sell on other podcasts. All you need is to buy these books. All you need is to sit these books in someone's room adjacent to you, and they will be creaming their jeans. You will need to have panties galore and or ladies, I'm not just saying it goes one way here, and probably new socks for the men who have quite the deep ball sacks. But no, guys, really check these books out. They're going to be fantastic. You are going to love them. And you're supporting a libertarian author. You're supporting our podcast, who this libertarian author has decided to support. What's not to love? Go spend $10 on a goddamn book and support a libertarian and maybe get a little fun out of it while you're at it. Again, C.W. Booth Weich, W-Y-C-H-E, and that is Buffalo on Main Street and Narco slash Lepsy. Check them out. All right, a couple more things to talk about here. And honestly, I'm surprised I've made it this long without coughing. I'm, I'm impressed. Maybe I coughed once, getting the tail end of this cold. Um, we got to talk about Dark Side, right? The hacking group that's responsible for shutting down a major pipeline that uh, feeds into Texas and a lot of other uh, states adjacent. And basically what we're hearing out of this is that this group shut down this pipeline. Uh, as of now, I think they just got it back up, but it was shut down for a couple of days. And this is a hacker group that is not political. Thank God. Thank God it's not North Korea or else, you know, maybe over there bombing them or can't blame it on Russia. But this is a for-profit hacker group that says they are apolitical. This is in their own statement. Said they're apolitical. They're just in it for the money. But clearly, they're very effective. And, you know, it's one of those things where cybersecurity is something that I, for sure, am against the United States government having a, a robust domestic spying apparatus. But I do acknowledge when we have as many weapons, as many systems that people depend on online, including the nukes, including uh, God knows what, you know, it's kind of like war games with Matthew Broderick, still a fantastic film. God knows, man, if you can hack in there and make it look like we're being nuked by somebody, I I fear for the human population. So I understand the need for cybersecurity for those weapons because the government does possess them. But of course, private companies should also be protecting their shit. And this is coming becoming a threat as everything becomes Internet of Things. Everything is connected to everything. You do have to worry about this and we're seeing it play out. Now, my worry, of course, is we have all this talk. We have all these bills being written about domestic extremists, about targeting American citizens, about terrorists abroad, none of whom really present much of a threat to us. We have the FISA courts. We have the FBI warrants. We have the CIA. All these places, the DHS, everybody's spying, looking internally, warning us of threats. And yet, what happens? Oh, fucking massive pipeline gets shut down, denying people gasoline, denying people energy. For two days. Where were you guys? Were you fucking around? Were you reading Trump's texts? You, you uh, cheating on your wife with some lawyers in the FBI? I mean, Christ. It really, you know, America has been so completely blindfolded. And just, you know, this is all in the efforts to, of course, build up the military industrial complex, to increase the size of government, the scope of government, 
to limit the amount of thought, the amount of freedom we have. That's why they're building up all these threats. But it is pretty fucking funny when we have all these agencies with all this money and all these resources. And what do they do? Jack shit. When one of the major oil pipelines in the country gets hacked and shut down, they didn't prevent it. They didn't see it coming. They don't know how to find the group that did it. There you go. It's Angelina Jolie and whoever that other guy was in that fucking movie Hackers where she did look very hot. Man, Jolie was hot. Damn, she was hot. Uh, just too funny, man. But I do like the name Darkseid as well. Goes to show you, though, they are doing nothing. And at the same time, though, the flip side of this is that the government will now turn around and use this as an excuse, just like 9-11, just like the Capitol riots. They'll use it as an excuse to increase surveillance on the domestic population. Right. So maybe I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here, mouth here, but the government needs to protect these things or even better, private companies need to protect these things. But at the same time, you can't just use it as an excuse to say, well, we have to throw a wide net now. We have to monitor all Internet communications because these hackers must be communicating somewhere. So we have to go and hack into and data breach all these private servers. We have to go into all the secret communications, the private communications, the signals, the telegrams, or whatever else is out there to, to enable these hackers to communicate. We have to find out where they're coordinating their attacks. We have to go in and monitor every single email from every single person in the United States and abroad because we can't allow something like this to happen again. And I can promise you that is forthcoming. I can promise you there is a bill in the works right now to allow cybersecurity to overtake all domestic privacy protections. That And again, to circumvent the Fourth Amendment, they'll hire private firms to data, data scope on everybody. They'll have a private anti-hacking firms to make sure that everybody's on the up and up. I mean, it couldn't come at a more perfect time, could it? It is kind of funny, too. Poor Texas, man. Oof. Poor Texas. Number one, their, their shit gets frozen over and they're denied energy. Now people hack their pipelines, they're denied energy. Maybe it's a progressive attack on Texas because Texas dared to get more people into it. Maybe they're maybe they're still scared of Texas, even though it's blueifying, right? Maybe they're scared that Texas could still secede. So they got to go and deprive those people of energy and gasoline. <laughs> is, this, is this too much of a crazy conspiracy theory? Probably is. But we had to address it. Uh, okay, uh, two more things here I want to talk about real quick. Um, oh, by the way, Governor DeSantis, Ron DeSantis of Florida, is filing lawsuits against the CDC for economic damage. You're going to see a lot of that. You're also going to see DeSantis. And I said this before when I was talking to Angela. This is why we need a real strong candidate. This is why I think Dave Smith's going to be dynamite out there with the messaging. Because when we see the wishy-washy bullshit the Libertarian Party is doing right now, as opposed to DeSantis, right? Libertarian Party, pussies on the lockdown shit, waited forever to issue a statement, been over a week on everything in regards to the lockdowns and much, much more. And then you've got DeSantis out here keeping Florida open. Now he's filing lawsuits against the CDC for economic damages. He's probably going to repay that if he wins. And I don't see how he would lose, to be honest, for those damages. This is what the Libertarian Party should be doing. Libertarian Party should be functioning like the ACLU in this regard, as far as liberty is concerned, and suing the CDC. Fucking unbelievable. So, go Dave Smith. Okay, let's move on to these final two stories, and then we'll wrap it up. Oh, wait, one more thing about the pipeline instance, too. By the way, I haven't looked into this. I don't know exactly the you know what the scope is of this pipeline. Obviously huge. I don't know what kind of monopoly they've been granted by the government in Texas or broader, but this also speaks to decentralization of power. We all know that local power companies are given fucking monopolies. We all know how difficult it is for other companies to come in to provide alternate energy sources. We all know the crazy tax breaks they get. We all know how this racket works. If we had more decentralized power, if we had privatized power that wasn't working hand in hand with government at all times in one giant you know, omnibus solution on, you know, whatever, one state, two state, three state levels that can be taken out with one hack, we wouldn't have these fucking problems. We also would have private companies that if one instance, you know, somebody gets hacked in an instance, you can come in, you have all these other private companies, you make a quick deal with them. You say, okay, we're going to reroute power in there. We're going to help you out. We're going to make sure we solve this solution quickly and easily rather than one behemoth that has to somehow right itself like the ship that got stuck in the Suarez Canal now you have all these companies that can come in, fix the problem or replace the problem. And now they're their customers because you failed. You weren't good enough and you should fail if you allowed all these millions of customers to be without power, without gasoline, et cetera, because your security wasn't good enough. 
Okay. Uh, let's do a couple idiots of the week. Song by the great Josh Anderson from the Tower Gang. If you guys know the Tower Gang, I was on uh, on that podcast. I had a wonderful time before I did the case race, which almost killed me. But definitely check out the Tower Pod, Tower Podcast from the Tower Gang. They are good times. They're also good, good follows on Twitter. So here's Josh's rendition of Idiots of the Week. No reason or sanity to be found. Idiots and assholes all around. When stupidity's at its peak, it's the idiot of the week. Beautiful, as always. By the way, I just realized I haven't done a lot of uh, bar talk segments lately. I'll ask the Lions of Liberty Pride, our Patreon subscribers, which you guys can join at patreon.com forward slash lions of liberty here my daily good morning fuckhead rants they are amazing i have to say as well as do nothing man conspiracy corners degenerate gamblers and so much more so uh, make sure to check that out you can join as little as five dollars a month or to save a little dosh you can subscribe for the whole year um just go to patreon.com forward slash lions of liberty but i will be asking uh, actually josh anderson is one of our biggest supporters in there uh i think i'll ask them what I should do for a bar talk segment. And that's where I break down for, uh, for the guys like me that like to get hammered and then talk libertarian thought to people at bars, dudes at bars, winning a lot of converse that way. I break down a topic and, uh, make it simple to talk about drunk. Anyway, let's talk about these idiots and assholes. The first of which happens in New York, New York, New York. And this is a crazy fucking story, man. So, this story starts off with a New York mother, right? Who's divorced. I think she's had her kid for a couple of years. She is the mother of a mixed race child, right? So she's divorced or maybe she was never divorced, but separated from the father who was clearly of another race. I'm going to guess black and you'll figure out why. But she's the mother of a mixed race child and she has custody of the kid right now. Now, she has been told she has to get rid of a driveway decoration painted with a Confederate flag or risk losing custody of her mixed-race child. Think about that. A rock in your driveway with a Confederate flag on it could lose you, your child. Now, yes, pragmatically, you could say, okay, we'll just get rid of the rock. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about how this is an insane premise to take away someone's child because of a decoration. And obviously, if the woman has a mixed race child, she can't be that racist, can she? She had sex with somebody. She had a relationship. She had a baby. She kept the baby. She's raising the child who is now several years old. Let me see. I think she's like five years old now. Yeah. Okay. She was born in 2014. So she's now seven years old. And this court is saying that she could lose her child because of a painted rock in the driveway. Not abuse, not molestation, not negligence, not neglect, not now, not malnourishment, malnutter not malnourishment. No, a painted fucking rock. Here, here's the judge's consideration, right? Given the child is of mixed race, it would seem apparent that the presence of the flag is not in the child's best interests, as a mother must encourage to teach the child to embrace her mixed race identity rather than thrust her into a world that only makes sense through the tortured lens of cognitive dissonance. What a fucking self-masturbatory quote that is, by the way. This person wrote this in, in the, the ruling that she released. What a masturbatory piece of fucking shit through the tortured lens of cognitive dissonance Fuck you. The quote presence of the Confederate flag when viewed pragmatically is a symbol inflaming the already strained relationship between the parties. The judges found and they said, if she doesn't remove the rock by June 1st, it will constitute a change in circumstances, meaning the parents custody agreement could be revisited and the family court could factor this into the future best interest of the child. AKA they could take away the kid because of this rock in a driveway. Now, Again, if it's up to me, if I'm going to lose my kid or get rid of a rock, I'm clearly going to get rid of the rock. I also, look, I don't know. I don't know what your feelings are on the Confederate flag. It'd be funny if this is the thing that gets me canceled, by the way. But I understand both sides of the argument on the Confederate flag. I understand that it is a symbol of pride for the South, not necessarily associated with racism. 
You know, it's like anything. It's, if it's a symbol of where you're from, you know, the South and you know, the, the South pride of being from that certain region, I can understand the embracing of it. I think it was ridiculous that they canceled, or well, it was already canceled, but they took the Dukes of Hazard off the air because it had a Confederate flag on the roof of the car. But not enough people thought of it as a racist symbol of hatred that they didn't make the show to begin with. So what's the fucking problem? It's just recently that this became such a symbol of hate that it has to be completely obliterated from the public sphere. Now, I don't know what the father, I don't know if this rock is the mother's or the father's. If the mother painted it, like I was saying earlier, clearly she's not worried about it. And in fact, I would argue that it is not in the not in the best interest of the child to have the rock there, and it doesn't cause any cognitive dissonance. If anything, I would argue that it teaches a lesson of peace, of getting along. If the mother, in fact, is a Southerner and, in fact, embraces the Confederate flag as a symbol of her heritage, doesn't it make more sense that the child views this as not as a racial hate symbol, but as something that her mother, who birthed her, who is not racist, who had sex with a black man, and again, has been raising this girl for seven years without any report of ill treatment, shouldn't she view it as, oh, well, you know, people can get along despite what their their backgrounds might be, what their heritage might be. We're all just people. That's the way I would view it. If anything, I think more children should be raised around symbols that might be confusing, but in the context could say, okay, you know what? This is not an all-encompassing symbol that always means hate. This is this one thing never means just this one thing. <coughs> Excuse me. And if more of that was done, maybe we wouldn't be in the state that we're in today. If we weren't teaching black and white, right versus wrong, hate versus non-hate, maybe we would be in a better state as far as having conversations with each other. But clearly the judges in this case can't even figure this shit out, despite being elected and having background in, in law, which, I, again, I don't understand how, in what context of the law can a rock in your driveway be grounds, unless it says, I hate my daughter, I'm going to rape you. How could that be fucking grounds to separate a mother from her child? Isn't that separation from the mother she's lived with for seven years going to cause more emotional trauma than the cognitive dissonance of a rock in the driveway? I mean, we, this is fucking bizarro world. And also, in no way is it constitutional. You're expressing, if, if you're going to believe that this is, a, I don't know, a political expression, right, rather than one of heritage and pride, if it's a political expression, that's still protected. As long as you're not abusing the child, that's still protected. And you know, they make this equation. One of the lawyers, he says, this is equivalent to, uh, you know, if a conservative court took away a child based on somebody hanging a pride flag, a gay pride flag outside of their window and saying, well, they shouldn't have the child because they believe in male or male, male or female, female or trans rights or whatever it might be that goes against conservative orthodoxy. I mean, it's the same thing. You cannot possibly think that this will stand. And it's just... I mean, to reach this fucking point, though, of woke nonsense, of this is judicial advocacy, right? I've talked about this on the show. Judicial advocacy is one of the most absolutely disgusting, terrifying movements that has happened, right? Instead of judges simply upholding the law and trying to interpret the law as they see fit, instead, now they're trying to push the law one way or the other. They're trying to bring their advocacy into the way in which the law is applied. That is fucking poison for our society and we already have enough fucked up shit in the judicial system as is, you know, by listening to Finding Freedom, formerly Felony Friday. If you bring more of this in here, if you bring more going along with hate, along with fucking hate crime legislation, this is a offshoot of that. Now it's thought crime that's going to cost you your child. It is sickening. All right, last story. Speaking of sick, three University of Massachusetts Amherst, which, by the way, if you don't know, University of Amherst, Massachusetts is one of the wokest idiot fucking schools in the world. It's like evergreen style, woke, bullshit, nonsense school. Completely insane, run by psychopaths. No one's children should ever go there. But three UMass Amherst students, three chicks, went to some outdoor concert event. They took a photo without masks on. And the university found out about it. How? Oh, I bet because some other woke fucking piece of shits found their social media profile and sent it to the administrators and said, oh, my God, these people have broken the rules that we all live by. They're making us all very dangerous and they should be shunned. Smirconish style. 
So these three chicks have now been shunned and suspended from school without getting any of their credits. They lost their credits and without a refund of their tuition. Just because they took a picture outdoors without a mask. Not on campus. Not even on campus. You can't even go outdoors and take a picture without your mask on. And maybe all three were vaccinated. I don't even know. I don't even know. This is where we're at, people. This is the society we're at. This is the Karens. This is the Biden administration's dream of neighbors reporting on neighbors, of outsourcing not only to data collection companies, but outsourcing to you, the people, the media, your neighbors, your friends, your colleagues, your classmates, to report you, to turn you in, to ruin your life, to find financial, professional, personal hardship, and they have no remorse about it. This is why we have to stop it. This is why we have to fight. This is what we are standing up against. This is why we need strong leadership. This is what we are doing. <sighs> so, Mises Caucus, anybody? Yeah, Mises Caucus. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for the show. By the way, Monday, like I said, Shane Hazel, another beautiful bald man, was on talking about his experience in the GOP, then Libertarian. Of course, Shane is famous for uh, for costing a Republican senator his spot, or so they claim. But uh, Shane's an interesting backstory, and it was a fun listen. So check him out on Mark's show on Mondays. John Odie Odermatt is coming in tomorrow with finding freedom. And uh, again, guys, really good listen on that show. Highly recommend it. He just had on uh, a guy that was in India talking about the COVID impact in India on the ground. That was really interesting. Basically, John's expanded the purview. So it's not just focused on the criminal justice system. Now it's focused on a wide array of topics, but all relating to finding freedom, be that economic, be that politically, be that criminal justice system. So check him out as well. And uh, yeah, That'll do it, Magoops. I will see you all. Uh, if you're in California, if you're going to the California Mises Caucus event on Friday, I will see you there. I will be the shockingly attractive, shockingly tall, and surprisingly fit man in the awesome uh, T-shirt that reads, Tax Jason is death. All right, that's it for me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land. Always stay plugged into liberty.